measurements. One I hear a lot in witnessing the people is, uh, you know, people will start talking about morality and they'll say to me, um, well, I've never, what? Killed anybody. You ever heard that? Yep. I never killed. And, you know, and I'll, I'll say, oh, you probably have. <laughs> they'll look a little shocked. What they've done, they said a murderer is what I'll say is bad. And, and, and you know, so the first thing I want to see is like, okay, so you're saying everything below murder is okay? So if I punch you in your mouth right now, wait a minute, no. Wait a minute, you just said murder is what's bad and you're not bad because you've never murdered. So what if I punch you in the mouth? What if I slap your ice cream out of your hand? What if I stick my knife in your car tire? Well, that, that just all sounds crazy. I says, well, that's how crazy you sound to me. When you say I've never killed anybody, as if murder is the standard for good. Well, then, then the second thing I, I like to point out to them is they probably have killed someone according to Jesus' standard. Jesus says, if, you, if you're angry with your brother in your heart, it's the same thing as murder. All right, so now by Jesus' definition, has anybody in here ever murdered somebody? All right. And the rest can raise your hand for lying. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to the choir. I preach to the choir. Y'all ever murdered anybody? By Jesus' standard, you ever been angry in your heart at somebody? Yep. So this is not my standard, right? So because we're always doing these comparisons, we often problem solve with the wrong objective basis. You know, uh, I'm a big guy, and I, I, I have a, a, a dial scale. I'm a big guy. Well, I got on that thing the other day, and, and it said four something. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I knew I was nowhere near what it said, right? And so I looked down, and the dial, it was supposed to start at zero, but the dial had been turned <clears throat> way up. I'm not going to say how much up. <laughs> so, so to even measure this, to measure this, I was starting off wrong, right? And then to and then to look at whether it was right, I had to I had to set it. Well, I have a I have a 25 pound weight, so I put it back at zero, and I put the 25 pound weight on it, and it was one pound off. So I I made that adjustment. But then how do I know the 25 pound weight is right? Right. So so measuring things is really critical. Having the right tool to measure, and when you start problem solving. If you're going to problem solve your life based on your neighbor, you might be better than your neighbor, but that's not the goal for the believer. We problem solve with Jesus as the objective. Amen. And today, as we turn the corner into this last chapter of Philippians, I want to hit the sidewalk with some of this grand theology we've been hearing, and I want to see us start problem solving with Jesus as the objective. So if you'll turn in your Bibles or follow along on the screen, Philippians chapter number one, excuse me, chapter number four, beginning at verse number one. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Father, as we open your word, we pray, God, that you do a supernatural work of giving us discernment, giving us understanding. But then, God, also show us ourselves. Your word tells us that if we confess our sin, if we come to you and agree with what you're telling us about sin and our sin, then you are faithful and you are just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, God, you don't want to point sin out to your children just so we feel miserable. You want to point it out with the heart of the great physician. You want to see us healed. You want to point it out as the great shepherd would. You want the sheep to come back into the safety of the flock. You would point it out as the one who is the door. You want us to come in and abide with you. You would point it out as the alpha and the omega, the one who's seen the beginning and will see the end. And you want us to be at peace. You don't point out our sin to beat us over the head. You point out our sin to bring us into the light. The enemy would condemn and tell us you hate us. You would convict to remind us you love us. So God, open this word to us today. In Jesus I pray, amen and amen. Well, let's dive right in because as you can imagine, I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. But I'm not eastbound and down. That's a whole other story. <laughs> I want to give you guys a few thoughts, a few thoughts, and I would even challenge you to jot these down. I would challenge you to test the scriptures. I would challenge you to do what I am not going to do this morning and survey the scriptures from the title page to the maps and see how consistent these things I'm going to share with you are all across the scriptures, not just in Philippians 4. First thing I want to share with you this morning is this. In absolutely every situation of life and in all that pertains to eternity for a believer, Christ is the object. Amen. And you say, that's so simplistic, Tim. We knew that. But do we? The American dream is not the object. <coughs> the way you were raised is not necessarily the object. The way you feel Oh, my Jesus, the way you feel is not the object. On and on and on. So many things that we look at to say, how should this be? How should I react? What should I think? We start to adopt all sorts of viewpoints and frameworks to deal with stuff in life. Think about it. It almost sounds so simple that you guys, you guys are tempted to reject how deep this is. If you say, if you say, I have, I have believed on the name of Jesus, I have received his, his work on the cross, 
I have received his, his ascended life. The Holy Ghost is on me. I am saved. I am sealed. And I am being sanctified for that day that he will return. And, and I'll get a new body and I'll walk with God forever. Your life is lost in Jesus. It's lost in Jesus. And you don't compare yourself to your neighbor and say, well, they're this messed up and I'm only this messed up, so I'm okay. You don't. You look at Jesus and you evaluate every area of your life according to that objective standard. Point blank, period. You know, so I've told you guys before, I'm very open about it. When I first came to the Lord, I quit using the Lord's name in vain just like pretty immediately. But I struggled with my language for a while. The first thing was I had to have a revelation that I was even talking ugly. You know, I prayed for a guy at work. We was working over on Unit 4 over at Roxborough. And uh, I was praying for him. And apparently I cussed while I was praying. <laughs> it's funny, but it's, that's how ridiculous. I, I mean, I was, I, was, I was lost as a ball in high weeds and the Lord found me. And I was still rough as a cob. <laughs> and the guy started laughing. And I literally didn't know what he was laughing. I was praying, boy. I was sweating in prayer. I had my hand on, Lord, you got to help this man, you know. <laughs> and apparently I cussed. <laughs> so I, I got done praying, and he says, uh, you have an interesting relationship with the Lord. I said, yeah, don't I? I had no clue what he was talking about. I says, uh, but, but why do you say that? He says, um, you said, and he said the word. I said, I did? <laughs> he said, you sure did. And I, I, I couldn't disagree with him. I didn't remember it. But it was, it bothered me that just like in my language, that that sort of ugliness was so embedded in me that I was blind to it. So the objective standard suddenly for me was don't be satisfied that you're not using the Lord's name in vain anymore. What is the Christ standard of language? And when I looked at that, I felt like I was standing at a cliff. I was like, oh my goodness. Jesus would never use a whole lot of words Tim uses. I'm in trouble. Am I making sense to anybody in the church? Amen. In absolutely every situation in life, and all that pertains to eternity for a believer, Christ is the option. So I couldn't even be satisfied that my behavior was no longer this, this bad. It was only this bad. I couldn't be said, I wanted my speech to be like Jesus. I want, present tense, my speech to be like Jesus. I am still scaling that cliff. Good news is Jesus has got a cable hold to me, and he's promising me to bring me to the heights of glory. Amen. I'm laboring and being pulled. I'm laboring and being pulled. (laughs) Now, you start to go down the list. I don't know how many of you guys will get up here and say what some of your some of your many struggles are. But don't be satisfied that you've grown some. Don't be satisfied that you're this much better than your neighbor. What is the absolute standard for your life? As a believer, Christ is your standard. Amen. And if you ain't just like Jesus, you've got growing to do. Now, let me see. This might be the only question I've asked, and I might, I might, I might get every hand in the air for you. Y'all ready? Y'all loosen up a little bit. You ready? Because you might actually raise your hand. You ready? 
You're not going to become a Pentecostal just because you raise your hand, okay? All right. All right, are you ready? Yes. Is anybody in this room just like Jesus? I knew I could get no hands. Okay. We got one. How many of y'all would say, I am not just like Jesus yet? All right. So, how many would say, I have growing to do? So, as you look at issues of your need to grow, don't look at your neighbor. Don't look at your great granny. Don't look at your coworker. Put your eyes on Jesus. Now, there was this rapper around 1990. He would say, if you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Pick up the beat while the DJ revolves it. I cannot tell you how many prayers I have started out in that spirit. Lord, I've got a problem. <laughs> Would you please solve it? And I almost hear vanilla ice in the background. Yeah. Talk to him, Tim. Get him. I'm confessing in front of all of y'all that I'm not just like Jesus. That immediately means there are areas in my life that I need to grow. I'm not, I'm, I'm not just like Jesus. I need to grow. So what is my standard? Jesus. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 1, the apostle picks his words, I believe under the discretion of the Holy Ghost. But he says, therefore. What's the therefore, therefore? He's like all these previous three chapters. Because Jesus has won the right to be called Lord, because Jesus left the heights of glory to come and walk with us, because of all that, okay, therefore there's this response to it. And look how he puts it, therefore my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy, my crown. He says, I, just respond to what Jesus has done. Respond to what Jesus is doing. And don't settle for worldly standards in your life. Don't settle for worldly objectives. Don't set your sights low on people. Don't set your sights low on culture. The therefore is therefore to point you that Christ is there for you. What's the old hymn say? Sing it with me. You know it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Come on, choir. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Therefore, turn your eyes on Jesus. Stop looking at politics. Stop looking at culture. Stop looking at your neighbor. If you're not just like Jesus, you have reason to be on your knees. Amen. You have reason to be crying out to God Almighty. We have no reason to take pride in our flesh if we're not just like Jesus. Amen. And we have every reason to be broken before this gracious God. So he says, respond to this. And he says, stand firm thus. 
Don't back up off of this thing that I was just telling you about at the end of chapter number three. Keep straining toward the goal. Keep straining toward the goal. Keep pressing on. Keep imitating, imitating people who are pressing toward the goal. Keep remembering your citizenship is in heaven. Keep remembering that walking with God is serious. Because he's been so good to you, respond to him and walk thusly. Walk like this. Amen. So we've set the standard. I mean, it's there. It's, it's plain as the, as the nose on your face. And I got a pretty big nose. So that's pretty plain to me. So now let's unfold some thoughts on external and internal conflict. Remembering that in both cases, the goal is not your culture. The goal is not your neighbor. The objective, comparative goal is Jesus. Okay, you ready? Second thing I want to share this morning. Your life, every single part of it, is meant to be lived as a disciple of Christ who obeys him and seeks to emulate him, even if not especially in disagreement. Had a funny thing happen to me this week. I talked to a lot of people. Um, I I talked to a, a lot of people. And I'm constantly meeting with people, asking them to come alongside us in My Life Matters and be regular or first-time or special donors. And, and I give a lot of talks. I spoke to Rotary this week. I spoke to a, a, a WMU group. I had a one-on-one meeting with a local businessman. And so in, in all these meetings with people, as a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to leave. Y'all, y'all go ahead and start praying about this too. Even a $5 a month partnership means you dug in with us. That's a, just a commercial right there in the middle of everything. But So I left the house, and I just bought me some new dress shoes. And, and I, I walked to the car, and they was already hurting my feet. I said, no, I can't do this. Went in the house, changed my shoes, walked outside, fell off the bottom step, fell in the grass, stained my light brown britches, went back in the house, put on a whole new set of clothes except for my shoes because I ain't got but one pair of dress shoes. And... And I'm wearing them, and, but I had to change my shirt because it didn't match my pants. And, and you know, when, you, when it's August and you're fat and you're changing fast, I took a shower in my own sweat in the process. <laughs> I, go, I go back out to the car, drive to this place where I'm meeting, and I, sit, I was almost late, and I sit and talk for over an hour. The waitress checks on us five times. My Bible's open. I got a big mouth. I'm talking about Jesus. She comes over with our food. She got, puts his off, leans with the tray, and dumps every bit of mine right on me. <laughs> now, at that moment, inside of my mind, it sounded a lot like Yosemite Sam. <laughs> Such a fresh and rat. <laughs> but out of my mouth came, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, you know that grin that you're trying to, you know it's fake, but you're trying to be. Because <laughs> I got to go through the rest of this meeting, and, and my food isn't there. Well, I was like, I was thinking to myself, one good thing is I can talk while he's eating. <laughs> Food's down me, a whole glass of ice cold water directly in my lap <laughs> at six in the morning. And when I get up there, 
I get up there, you know, you know, usually in a lot of places they'll say, let us take care of your meal. And my dry cleaning was going to cost more than my meal. Really? And so I kind of, you know, maybe you shouldn't have expectations. But I thought they would say, let us take care of your meal. It's like, 617. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll pay with cash. <laughs> I'm struggling. I go home, I get in the car, I change clothes again. I have another presentation that day. I said, I'm not putting on no dry clean britches. I just gave up on dry clean britches for the day. And I sat in the driveway, and I honestly had a good laugh. It, was, it is funny, isn't it, y'all? It's funny. How much can happen to you before 8 a.m., right? <laughs> but I saw in this moment that I wasn't supposed to measure how do I handle this against my best moment in a restaurant. Nor do I handle it by how I've seen other people act in restaurants. I'm supposed to handle this like Jesus is sitting in that restaurant. Amen. Am I making sense to anybody? Yes. In your moments of disagreement, in your moments of disappointment, in your moments of struggle, you don't say, you don't say, what would uh, my mama do? Like, I, 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 I have this friend, and, and, and my friend has an alter ego. And let's just say that, that my friend calls this alter ego Theresa. Because she actually does call this alter ego Theresa. And if y'all, she lives in Halifax County, if you ever run up on her, and if you ever hear her say, y'all don't want Theresa to come out, she's fit to cuss you out. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and tell you. That's her alter ego. And Teresa is allowed to do things that her regular self isn't allowed to do. So that's what she'll say. And I've known her. I'll be 48 next week. I've known her all my life. You don't want to see Teresa. If that hand goes in that hips and them booty starts shaking and she mentions Teresa, you're getting cussed out. <laughs> I, I, I've been in this conversation with her now for 20 years where I say, how come you never see, wouldn't you like to see Jesus come out? Why haven't you adopted that as your modus operandi? Is anybody tracking with me? Yes. Why, why in times of conflict you have to buck up and be a jerk? Why can't you bow down and worship Jesus? I'm not saying it's easy. The thing in the restaurant wasn't even a big deal. I'm telling you, I just thought it was funny. It really was funny. I did think I was getting free breakfast. I did not get free breakfast. But why is it we say we got to do this? Look, 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 at what, look at what the apostle says here. He says, I entreat Yodia and Syntyche. And how come nobody ever names, these, names daughters after these Bible ladies? Yodia and Syntyche. What does he say? I ask you guys to use Jesus as the objective of your problem solving. Agree in the Lord. Then he's asking a third party. I ask you also. What he's saying, I ask you also. I want you to use Christ as the objective standard and help these women. You see that? It's not even to see who is right or wrong or who's more right or more wrong. He immediately says for you to agree in the Lord. You come over and you remember that you're positioned in, Lord, in the Lord. You're a possession of the Lord. You are redeemed by the Lord. You're being sanctified by the Lord. The Lord will return. The Lord is going to give you a new body. The Lord is who needs to be involved in this. 
It's like I hear Jesus rapping Vanilla Ice's song, If You Got a Problem, Yo, I'll solve it. And when's the last time you did that? When's the last time you got in a disagreement and you just says, Let me think very carefully. Let me stop. Let me pray. Ask God to rein in my emotions. Let me think very carefully. Let me peruse my entire knowledge of the scripture. Let me look at the life of Jesus and say, who is he? Who is he? What is his character? What would he have me say? How would he have me behave? Not just to say the right words. Let me take up the right attitude and agree in the Lord. How much more critical is it that both of these are sisters who have, look at this list, labored side by side. They were at one time focused on the work of the Lord together. And not just any old work. It was in the what church? Gospel. Together. And where are their names both written? In the Lamb's book of life. Isn't that interesting? Am I making sense? Your standard for how you behave, respond, how you Cultivate character. Your standard as a Christian is what, church? Jesus. Let's try that again. Your standard is what? Jesus. So in conflict, what would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? What is Jesus' character? What is Jesus' ultimate end for my life? Is Jesus' ultimate end that I win a lot of first place trophies for winning arguments? Uh, his goal for me is holiness. Amen? Amen. I would like to say a ton more about this, but I see time is really fleeting. So let me go very quickly into this next phase. Just as with external conflict, Christ is the object in how we handle internal conflict. I'm going to go very fast here. I really did just notice the time. In Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Okay, you need to learn to do that. This is not just reserved for Pentecostal people. This is not just reserved for our vocal African-American brothers and sisters. You need to learn to let some rejoicing out of your lips. Amen. And it will shape the, it will shape the position of your heart, and it will shape the thoughts of your mind. Amen. Learn to praise the Lord. Learn to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to give you a short list here on the screen. Here's, here's what some of rejoicing looks like. Proclaim truth. Count your blessings. Recount the character of God. Keep the gospel in the forefront of your mind. Always put God's ultimate promises up against your immediate challenges. Now, one day, I'm going to have my own film crew. I am. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. And the first thing we're going to do is make a series of documentaries on how to drive around Roxborough and Persian County without dying. <laughs> the first list of things I will do and will include these documentaries. How not to block the boulevard when you need a biscuit from Bojangles or Biscuitville. <laughs> Second will be proper use of the double drive through at McDonald's. Third one's going to have a long title because it's hard not to get a... How not to die when turning left when you know you have time but you're not willing to hit the big bump at the edge of the boulevard. 
You ever seen people do that? Like they got time to cut in front of you, but they turn and they stop and ease over the bump. We're going to do a documentary about that. We also will soon definitely have to explain how to use roundabouts. There will be a course on four-way stops. So every time I drive up and down the boulevard, I start singing another rap song. It goes like this. Y'all going to make me lose my mind up in here, up in here. <laughs> One day I pray that, you know, it changes and I'll be able to sing, all my rowdy friends have settled down. <laughs> I'm being silly. But even in the silly, it is important that you embrace the sublime. Will I ever even have to always deal with the boulevard? No. In heaven, somehow, we will have streets of see-through gold. I still haven't figured that out. It's going to be awesome. In heaven, there will be no tears. So I absolutely know there will be no Madison Boulevard. In the past few months, I haven't shared this with hardly anybody, you know, in the past few months to see my mom's health go, you know, way, way down. So much so that a couple weeks ago, we, you know, we just had to end the family, figure out how to, how to, how to, you know, pay somebody to stay with her and stuff. And that's really humbling because she's hard hit. I just wanted to move in with me. We got a bedroom, just mama, come on. But, you know, everybody wants to be independent, right? So how do we empower our mom to be independent or do we whack her over the head with a stick and drag her to Roxborough? I mean, what do we really do here? You know, um, it's been, it's been very, very humbling, but it's been a wonderful reminder to just really enjoy my mom, just enjoy her. And to remember that my mom, my mom has confessed faith in Christ. And one day it won't just be a bunch of back fractures. It'll be a brand new back. And if I don't keep ultimate promises up against my immediate challenges, I will begin to be so consumed by the immediate challenges that I lose the hope God wants me to have in ultimate promises. Am I making sense to anybody? Amen. The, the, the most of the things we need to solve start from within. So you know what you need to do? You need to preach to your heart. You need to literally count your blessings. You need to sometimes sit down with a pencil in your hand and a piece of paper and write them down. I mean, sometimes it needs to be as simple as God is still maintaining the balance of oxygen in the world so that when I breathe in, I'm getting enough oxygen to not fall over. My eyeballs still work, even if I've got six of them. I like that old sort of bluegrass cowboy. You, you'll know this one, right? It's food on my table, shoes on my feet. I gave, you gave me your love, Lord. And what, church? Who knows it? And a fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Do you know in the midst of all that concerns you, these simple things will begin to shape your heart in a radically different way? Amen. Do you know that? Amen. Netflix will break it. It will not fix it. It is putting your mind and heart on the things of the Lord. I see the time. I got to fly. 
But I want you guys to look at this. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Right? This means we must literally hold tons of prayer meetings with the Lord. Literally. You, your family, you, you, if you've got a praying friend, you've got one of the most precious gifts on the face of this planet. Whole time, because how many of you guys, uh, we'll find some liars in this crowd now, y'all ready? How many of y'all have things that you're anxious about? So what's the Bible say to do? You got this internal conflict, the objective standard is Christ, the objective solution is Jesus. You want to turn your eyes upon Jesus. We say, man, every time I turn around, I'm concerned about something, I have anxiety, I'm worried. That means you need to have tons of prayer meetings. What do we do when we're most of the time agitated? We start flicking through our phones. And you say, I don't even got a cell phone. You're not off the hook. What do you do like that? Mess around the garden. Piddle in the shop. Do everything but go to God. Amen. I used to go weld stuff. I mean, I wasn't even doing anything. I'd just find two pieces of metal and weld them. That's before I had a phone. Anything but think about what I really need to think about. So... What we need, we need a ton of prayer meetings. You say, I don't know how to pray. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings and deep words. You, you know what's interesting is this is basically a promise that if you'll just go to God where you're weak, he'll come alongside you. Amen. And I love Romans 8, 31. says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now look at the indefatigable logic here. In other words, this logic never gets tired. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All right, God's already given you Jesus. What's he going to hold back? Remember that as an objective. And last but quickly, 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 quickly not least. To be sure, this passage teaches us that most conflict, whether internal or external, is a war of misappropriated thoughts and affections. In other words, you're caring about the wrong stuff, you're thinking about the wrong stuff. Somebody saying, why didn't you just say it like that? I just did. <laughs> My grandma had this screen door. I mean, like, we used to really use the screen door. And, you know, what do kids do to a screen door that drives all old folks mad? Bang it. Slam it. What's the second thing they do? Push your screen. You said it. <laughs> so, of course, I would go running out the house, hand right in the middle of the screen. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, hear my grandma screaming. Stop slamming that door! <laughs> Stop pushing. She, she wouldn't say pushing. It was P-O-O-S-H-I-N-G. Pushing. <laughs> Stop pushing that screen. <laughs> and one day I says, I told her, and this is dangerous. Her knuckles was hard as pig iron. She, I said, Grandma, you was worried about the wrong stuff. I also told her one day when I didn't want to eat my lunch, she said them starving kids in Ethiopia was needed food. And I said, well, send this to them. When I woke up, <laughs> I ate my lunch. You, you know what my grandma says? She says, this, she, she told me, she just sat down. She says, this is where you need to grow up. I really don't care about the door. I don't want my house full of flies. Well, that was logic. 
She's like, son, it's not even about the door. We can fix the door. We're just trying to keep the flies out, let some air in. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. I'm saying sometimes you need to sit down and really think about what's important and let some mess go. And then understand why some things are important enough to change your life. There is no series on Netflix worth you missing your child's growing up. Amen. Did you know that? There is nothing on Facebook worth ignoring your spouse when it's time to talk at the end of the day. And there is nothing worth giving up Jesus over. Amen. Nothing. Look at what the scripture says. He says, finally, brothers, and there's this list. Whatever's true, what does he say? Think about these things. You've got to have a reset. Some of us have misappropriated thought processes. You can begin to, you can begin to look at some stuff in your life. I mean, like, just like you can count your blessings, you can make a list. And then start to ask these questions. Is that true? And you know, real truth is eternal. Like it's a, did you know the sun is a fact? A fact is something that is true temporarily. But the sun won't even be here forever. In Isaiah 58, God says, one day you won't even need the sun. I'm going to be your light. Do you ever thought about the sun is a fact? It, you know, in other words, this is a question like, is it dealing with the eternal? Is it honorable what I'm doing? Am I honorable in how I'm doing it? Is it just? Is it right? Is it, does it have justice involved? Is it pure? Is this something that, that I'd never be ashamed to show Jesus? Is it lovely? Most of us have misappropriated thoughts, and it's time to refresh and renew our minds in Jesus. And then, then you know, look what I highlight in green. Practice these things. Most of us have misappropriated affections. Indeed, I recently waxed my wife's van. I hated it. I don't like that. I hate that mess. It was an issue of stewardship. We're trying to keep this van for a long, long time. But some of us will spend entire days and weeks shining idols. So is there a balance between like stewardship of a car or stewardship of your home or stewardship of your lawn and it taking too much focus in your life? You betcha. You betcha. So we misappropriate our minds, we misappropriate our affections, and we get all off course. And then one day, we, you, know, you know, you wake up and, and you started to not look at Jesus for how you shape your life. You started to look at a myriad of things. So what's your problem this morning? I think the question we must constantly face is whether we're allowing Christ to be Lord. I could really hit some real general things like I always hit people with the three T's, time, talent, treasure. Is he really Lord? Is he the boss of your, your finances, what you do with it, how you earn it? Is he, is he the boss of your calendar? Like if you really broke down your calendar and lined up what you were doing with your time, would it honor the Lord and would it serve the Lord? Is he the boss of the skills you've learned and the gifts he's given? Do you deploy them for his glory, for his good? I've never been really good at a lot of things, but I was, I, I, you know, I was a decent softball player, you know, because you can still be fat and play softball. 
it, it was one of the toughest things to give up. But when we opened the warehouse, I, I knew that, you know, where did I need to be every night? I needed to be ministering to kids. Nobody plays softball at 10 in the morning. <laughs> I know. I tried to start a league. It didn't work. It was tough to give up something I enjoyed and was good at. So you know what I started doing? I started playing basketball with kids all the time. It wasn't no ball. It's what are you doing with the ball? I'm, I'm just talking every area of life and trying to give you nitty-gritty illustrations that you can find yourself in. Am I making sense? Amen. The question we must constantly face is whether we are allowing Christ to be Lord. You look at the conflicts in your life, and with a crowd this size, I guarantee you somebody in here is going through something with somebody else. You can't make them, you can't make them honor Jesus, right? Right? So, so what's the question? Am I honoring Jesus? Am I honoring Jesus? Then look at the stuff that's going on in your heart. And if I sound flippant or if I sound arrogant, I really do apologize. It's not how I feel. Look at the stuff in your heart. Have you had a ton of prayer meetings over that stuff or are you just carrying it around? In another place in the Bible, in, in 1 Peter, it, it tells you to cast your anxiety. And the word is like putting a saddle on something or throwing a bag of laundry on something or a load of rocks into a back of a cart. You know, It's like gather up this whole load. It's not forget about them. Like literally gather them up, lay them all out, and throw them on the Lord. Some of us are weighed down by many things. And it's, and it's awesome to talk to a friend but not at the expense of not talking to Jesus. Gather up that load and bring it to the cross. And remember, it won't always be this way for you believers. It won't always be this way. Amen? Amen. It will not always be this way. Okay? So one final question. Have you received the Lord? The Lord helps a lot of folks. But he is eternally engaged. Think about what the difference is what I'm saying. He is eternally engaged eternally engaged with his children. He'll help a lost person too. Somebody say amen. amen. He'll use a lost person too. Somebody say amen. amen. But there's going to come this point where their fellowship with God is, is eternally cut off. But for a believer, that fellowship is never eternally cut off. You ever thought about how that reasoning, like in heaven, God's going to still be helping you. Amen. That's wild. So, so it's, it's, it's like are you under his lordship? He, he's probably helped you. No, not probably. He's helped you a thousand million different ways you don't even know. There's a fine line in the chemicals in your eyeball between keeping debris out and poison in your eyes and you going blind. And God's the one that upholds the world by the word of his power. And he keeps the chemical balance in your eyeballs. He helps everybody. But how long will his help go on in your life? The Bible says if you believe in your heart, and profess with your mouth, you'll be saved. You believe on the Lord Jesus, and you confess that, profess it, make it known to you and to the public, to the world, that you are with Jesus. He said, I'll save you. I want you to believe it in who you are, and I want you to live it through who you are. Today, do you need to come to Jesus? Or maybe God's been calling you to some other decision that's important. Do you need to be, become a faithful part of Theresa Baptist Church? That's important. A new pastor starting two Sundays from now. Well, he's starting Monday week. 
But he'll be in the pulpit. Wouldn't it be great if he was holding some new member classes off the bat? Well, maybe you need to follow him in, in, in transfer your membership over here. Follow him into baptism. Maybe you need to grab somebody. I remember, like, I, I, I'm going to use him. He's not going to like this, but I don't care. Stan Cruz. Me and Stan Cruz beefed one time back in the 1990s. When me and Stan come to the Lord, we sat down over here in the fellowship hall when it was about brand new. We talked about it, didn't we, Stan? We decided Jesus was more important than that dumb argument we had at Mayo Power Plant. We forgot it that fast. Immediately started talking about our families, things of the Lord. Maybe you're beefing with somebody and you need to grab them and get right. And use Jesus as the objective problem solved. This is your Christian life. This is not just a sermon. This is your life. And God's calling you to live it. And if you don't have a Christian life, he's calling you to come to him and let him start solving your problems in a different way. Father, as we sing together, speak to our hearts as only you can. In Jesus I pray. Our hymn is number 428, Speak to My Heart. Thank you. 